Um, good, good to see all of you. Um, thank you to Rebecca for, for leading us through the time of worship. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know some of my background. I, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and so that is uh, the southern end of tornado country uh, in, in the Midwest. And so what, what would oftentimes happen was that we'd get tornado warnings at the school that, that I went to and at home. And so we're taught to stop, drop, and roll or hang on to a concrete pillar. Right. And so if you've ever seen pictures of what a house looks like after a tornado has hit it, um, when, when Rebecca was leading us in the worship song about a foundation, the only thing left is the foundation after a tornado. And oftentimes there's one, if, I, if you can imagine a, a flat foundation and then one stick that looks like a, a, cro a crooked hook. And that, that's about the only thing that keeps the house from blowing away. And even then the house blows away. And so uh, that's what happens when there's 200 mile per hour winds that, that hit a house. And so I, I liken that worship song we just sang. Um, if we don't have uh, God as our firm foundation, it, it often does look like our house is either you know flip, flipping in the wind or flapping in the wind. Um, it might feel like the the drapes are shattering and the the windows are broken. But if your foundation is with God, um, you get to keep the house because the house is is you. Um, so that uh, thank you for the encouragement, Sister Rebecca. I'm going to share the screen, and I went entirely too long last night with the youth group, and so I'm, I'm very happy that they all woke up today. Um, so 20 Proverbs for 21, and uh, here's how today is going to go. I was explaining to Asolia that this is my 48th hour of uh, Zoom this week, and so uh, as of last night, um, sorry, that's the, I'm in a hotel right now, so it's probably the lobby calling about checkout time, but um, in either case, uh, this is my 40th hour of Zoom, and so my, my wife and I are very much looking forward to going home and just, you know, just resuming our life because I've been in a training all week, been teaching two classes. So um, anyway, my hope for today, and this is something that, um, same thing I treat my, my grad school courses that I teach. I hope one of these 20 Proverbs hits, hits you in the heart today, and that's God's way of convicting you to uh, to look after your life, but also to serve him and, and not serve, but to love him more fervently and to hold on to him more tightly. So uh, speaking of holding on tightly, so I'm going to start a slideshow from this side. Um, okay. And so whatever 2020 ended up being for each of us, we need God's wisdom. Uh, and so even we're already, uh, already one month into 2021, and I'm pretty sure many of us are uh, struggling, uh, you know, with finding a vaccine. A dosage that's that's fitting you um, finding out you know not being able to go back into work for some time uh, finding out about school just being in flux you know my, my students are all online but they're all hopeful by the end of the semester by May that we'll be meeting in person which will change my commute by a lot first world problems right but um, and so my hope is that there's less human ignorance and cluelessness this upcoming year and more reliance on God and so these proverbs that, that I'm going to cover have stood the test of time. And I hope that these 20 to follow will encourage and bolster you. So if you've ever done any meditative practices or any sort of stretching classes, these uh, bolsters, these purple things, all they do in their, in their weight is to keep you up. They're not, their job isn't to lift you up. Their job isn't to move you. But the job of the bolsters is to essentially keep you in place. Okay? And that's, that's my hope is that God will be the one that keeps you in place. And, uh, and that with the help of the church leadership, uh, that you'll be brought into a place of more authentic uh, relationship with God. 
And in fact, let me start off with the word of prayer for, for not only myself since I'm uh, sleep deprived, but also for you guys as well. God, thank you for this time. I'm grateful for the, uh, really the privilege, even though I take that for granted a lot to speak to uh, this church. And I pray that for all the brothers and sisters that they would see any number of these proverbs and uh, may it hit home for them uh, just how much you love us, how much you've wanted to be our God and how much you did by allowing uh, Jesus to be on this earth before he died to see life through our eyes. And so we thank you for this time. In your name we pray, amen. And so some, some common sense stuff, I, I think one of the things we don't do very well as Christians, so I, I'm at the age now, I, when I get to, uh, you know, Uncle Jerry and Uncle Jimmy's age group, since we're all sharing the same age group now, I think I've gotten the wisdom to say certain things. And so if you guys have ever seen those uh, arcade machines where you get to, to, you know, claw something up and you pull it away, right? Um, we do that with Bible, and, and I do that with Bible. Uh, uh, what we mean is that we drop we drop the little uh, grabber thing and we pick out certain scripture and we lift it out and we get the prize of that that little passage and so what i'm suggesting is that these proverbs by themselves probably not wise to just apply that to, or, you know and i and i i've had verses since childhood i think proverbs uh three five and six that have been like the bane of my existence or the the upholding of my existence and yet what i'm suggesting is that we get a little smarter about the way we look at scripture and really try to see if there's themes that God is sort of hitting our heart with and convicting us. So specific wisdom, as we'll see, it's difficult to find out exactly what was meant for the, for the original hearers of the word and, and frankly, how to apply it now, right? There's, there's one slide on animals that the youth will remember that, you know, there's really no application other than we like cute animals, right? Um, and so what I'm encouraging is general wisdom, common sense-ish stuff. And so a cumulative consideration of what was the meaning when all these things are put together. I have a coworker by the name of Sarah. She is currently building a, a 12 by 12 quilt, 12 foot by 12 foot, which is the size of most of our rooms, right? Um, and she's working on it piece by piece over the years. So she's a little bit older than me uh, and she, she's put together maybe 20% of it. And every month she'll send us a photo, a photo of it or like during Christmas time, she brought it in. And she's really beautiful, she, she does it beautifully. Um, I can't wait to see what this quilt will look like in its fullest, but I also might have to wait quite some years to see the final product, which sounds a lot like our Christian lives, right? And so think of a quilt or tapestry. Individual parts don't make much sense by themselves, but collectively they become clear to, to most, maybe not all, but to most, right? Most of us know that these are cute um, circle design thingies. I'm a guy, so I don't know what these are. And then this one is more of like a Japanese style um, nighttime Mount Fuji type uh, scene, but really quilts are not my thing, by the way. Um, so collectively, my hope is that as we put together some of these proverbs, that it becomes clear to the majority of us what God's trying to tell us specifically in our lives. Because I guarantee you, God's probably telling Sister Rebecca different things than, let's say, Uncle Gary or Brother Gary than Uncle Jerry and uh, all, all the other folks on the call. Uh, because he is our God, and yet we have different callings uh, within the areas of ministry we're supposed to focus on. Okay, so I want to start first with... The first one, and again, in, in, in respect for the time that, that I have with you all, some of these will fly through, uh, but again, my, my hope is that when Brother Jerry or Brother Jimmy sends you the PowerPoint, that these will be good references for later on. Um, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way the wicked leads them astray. 
And so I'm, I'm going to be one of those people in your life that says research, research, research supports this, research supports that. Um, so kindness is proven to decrease anxiety. On the other hand, the wicked's ways will not only increase it, but send the person off the path. So what, what I'm saying here transactionally is that when we demonstrate kindness to other people as well as ourselves, it is proven to decrease anxiety. On the other hand, if we act wickedly, it's a transactional thing. Multiple things happen as opposed to being kind to someone and being kind to yourself. And so if you can think about it as a, for some of the math people in the room, um, the more that we are kind to others with God's love, uh, we are essentially putting out a fire that's very, you know, lots of flames and lots of building up because of just what the wicked do, um, you know, in our in our lives. So moving on to the next one, uh, out of 14 verses 9 and 10, fools mock at making, and you'll see a recurring theme in all of these, so I hope you see four or five themes uh, repeat themselves. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. I'm going to be very real with you, brothers and sisters. The longer you live in this life, the more bitterness and heartbreak you will experience, and that's just... You know, I think Anne was saying last night she wants to do this work for a living. And so how I got into becoming a counselor was that um, three things happened when I was 25. Um, I was in an unhealthy dating relationship, and the person ended up using me to get back together with her now husband. So that was number one. Uh, my grandmother died on my birthday in 2000. And third one was two layoffs in four months. Because for the older folks, you remember that was the bubble, the bubble bursting in the tech industry. So four major events happened in one year and so i really had a, a real bitterness against god and so i had to seek out counseling for myself uh, through my pastor and through a, a therapist and so only god really knows our heart and he ultimately you know god knew that i still wanted to be with god and yet i was so upset with how many bad things happened in one year and you know it's probably for a different sermon but the, you know there were no answers that came back from god just love and compassion and him hearing me out and that's been that's been me and God's sort of communication over the years is I get to cry out to him like a little boy. And very oftentimes I don't get the answer I want, but I get the love that I need. And I hope that hits home for some of you. And so when we make mistakes or hurt others, we need to try to make amends. Fools often refuse to to do so because of pride. And so in the in the work that I do with helping couples out in counseling, Hate to say it, gentlemen, it's it's the men that usually, ref the, the men refuse to apologize. I would just sit there like this, waiting for something to happen, right? And I'm saying that that does damage not only to the marriage, but to God's kingdom, because the man is not willing to model for the wife or the children how to be humble. And so we, whenever we make mistakes or hurt other people, we need to make amends. And one way to start that is with, a, you know, um, I'm thinking to Sister Rebecca's first song choice, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I think there was an apology in there somewhere in the chorus that we apologize to God first. And that's the first person we go to. And if we have a hard time doing that, then I suggest, um, you know, whatever has hurt you, I, I'm sorry for that. And yet um, I'd encourage you to talk to the leadership, talk to Asolia, talk to uh, Brother Jerry, Brother Jimmy, and, and the church leadership, because we need to get that hurt out somehow. Uh, the longer we hold on to that hurt, um, the more it hurts us and other people. Okay. Uh, next. You guys see the, the rotting fruit, and because I stink at picking vegetables, sometimes I bring home this fruit uh, from the store. And so, uh, so the verses 14, 29, and 30, whoever's patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And so 
what you'll often see, congregation, is you guys are all beautifully smart and, and I know super intelligent. However, for old scripture folks, the people that heard the scripture in, in, in the Old Testament and New Testament, they often didn't have the same access to information we did. And so the way it was done was that there are two polar opposites that were presented. And in this case, in this passage, uh, patience and quick-tempered are polar opposites. So there's no way around it. Patience and temper are, are seen as opposites. And so when we envy or when we have jealousy or when we covet, we are comparing ourselves to others, others and it literally kills our body. Um, let me ask everyone for um, a little bit of science lesson. For most Asians, where in your body do you feel most of your upset? Anyone want to anyone want to chime in? Heart. The heart. So I heard someone say heart. Yes, that's one area. I'm thinking of another area too, especially if you eat this fruit right now, the fruit on the picture. Stomach. Stomach, right? The stomach region, right? So, so if you think about you know all this area between the neck and the the waist, um, a lot of times people will come in and say. They won't know they have anxiety about life, but they'll say, I've had a lot of stomach aches for the last six months. I've had a lot of headaches for the last five months. And so when we have these sort of things present in our life, it tends to present as what we call somatic symptoms. And so if I am envious of, um, you know, brother, brother Jimmy's good looks, right? Or if I'm not as uh, beautiful as, you know, Rebecca or Solia or, or Beatrice, right? then I could live my life in a way where I'm always looking at them as they were higher than me, and therefore I'm at the bottom like this, right? And so um, this envy and jealousy and coveting, it really does affect our body, and that's, that's sort of my way as, as, a, as a counseling psychologist. Like, uh, we need to give that up to God. Uh, God, I'm not as, I don't have as much hair as anyone on the call. Or God, I, feel, I don't feel comfortable as a public speaker. Uh, please help me, God. And it puts us in a position where God can help us uh, when we feel like we lack. Okay. Uh, moving on. So uh, chapter 15, verse 17 and 18. So if you can see there, this is, I think, Ratatouille. If you guys remember the movie Ratatouille from our childhoods or from earlier in life, very simple vegetable dish. And so better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Okay. I use a lot of food in my sermons because we're a culture of food, right? And so my attitude, in other words, how about what I do and, and give matters more than the what. Okay? And anger stokes conflict while patience quiet, quiets it. And so how many of us have, have had really uncomfortable family meals where mom or dad, or maybe we're the mom and dad, and we throw the food at you know, poor Ann's plate? Or you know, when we're looking at uh, Tommy, you know, we're, we're upset with Tommy and we're like, here, here we go. Right, eat this fried chicken, right? Um, and so the message is in how it comes across, right? And so what they're saying here in, in this particular case is that even if it's just like fried green beans uh, with a little bit of uh, salt, as long as I say I love you or, or it conveys I love you, it is way better than the buffet I take Uncle Jimmy to where I'm really upset with them and I want to yell at him the whole time. Okay, so how we approach that, that also tells us how we approach our meals as a church and as a church family, um, we need to calm or quiet our hearts before we go to our meals, which I hope we get to do in person someday. And I hope I get to join you guys someday. Okay. Uh, chapter 17, verse 16. And we did this interesting exercise last night with the youth. Okay, so what I had them do was, uh, for the older people on the call, 
I had them grab a dollar bill or a quarter and I, I had them seek out the oldest person in the house. And some of those people were you. And apparently everyone was on the phone last night at 8 p.m. on, on a Saturday night. Uh, so, and I had them take the money and go to the parents or the older siblings and say, can you, can you give me wisdom for this money? Right. And so what were the responses, Asolia? It was a lot of like confusion, a lot of upset feelings because they were bothered on phone calls, the adults, a, a lot of just weird responses. OK, and so that should tell us, um, particularly in this verse, a lot of people have money in order to buy wisdom or to buy something, meaning wisdom, you name it. And yet what's being implied in this particular verse is that they're not able to understand it. I could have a $10 million contract, like let's say if um, my Good Samaritan Hospital pays me $10 million, right? And I still won't know how to find the right, you know, meal that makes my wife happy. I'm being honest. Like, I, I you know, sometimes it's salmon, sometimes it's uh, hamburgers, sometimes it's kale salad, ew, kale salad. But, uh, but in all cases, like all the money in the world will not buy me the wisdom that I think I need. And so that, that's sort of what I want to point out for, uh, for the people on the call today. The rich do use their wealth to try to obtain wisdom, and yet they were probably not meant to have or grasp it. And that, that's sort of my strong hint to, to not put those two together, uh, wealth and wisdom. And so if you can see in this drawing here, uh, or in this graphic, you just have people screaming at each other, basically, right? And so in chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels and continues them. Uh, fools, find no, fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. And so um, part of the interesting thing is, believe it or not, I'm the introvert. I'm the quiet one in my relationship. And my wife uh, talks about seven hours a day, right? And she does it for work because she has to talk with salespeople all day, okay? What I want to point out is in kingdom talk for us as Christians, unfriendly is associated with being selfish lacking judgment, and a rabble-rouser. A rabble-rouser is an old term for like people that shake up things. Um, fools really do stink at hearing others out, and it's the opposite of hearing their own voices. So when we think about foolish people, because that, that's a concept that's going to keep on repeating itself, um, we need to get better at listening to other people as Christians. Okay, I'm pretty sure many of us are good at quoting scripture, at telling people what to do, at telling other people what's happening with us. But if we can hone in our listening skills and really support people in the congregation, I think that'll grow the church. I, I can't say it'll grow the church in numbers, but it'll grow the, the, church, the love that the church has for each other. Yeah. And in this picture, you have Usain Bolt, who basically uh, beat the other people in the 100-meter dash by more than, I think, half a second, which is an eternity in, in uh, running. And so desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. So here is an interesting thing that I've learned in my work. Uh, people's foolishness not only hurts them in the short run, but in the long run, they blame God for their own stupidity. And it might sound crazy to us, right? But for instance, I'm working with someone that has an active addiction, uh, and I won't say the addiction, but he has an active addiction. And every session, he's basically saying, well, God, I'm really upset with God. I'm really, really angry at God, uh, but I'm not going to stop doing this addiction. And so you could see how conflicted this person is. They, they're blaming God for, for them not, not only not wanting to stop doing the bad thing that hurts them, but also that God's not rescuing them out of the situation. So 
you can imagine what that what's that what that is doing to the person's body and brain because they know better and yet they're still blaming God and hoping for this miraculous you know God pulling them out of the pit right and so um, I'm sure you guys have run into people in your life perhaps younger siblings that you guys you guys have arguments with and the reality is we need to acknowledge for ourselves mainly ourselves that when we're foolish we still have a responsibility to go to God and say what do I need to do um, I'm, I'm sorry I messed up this ability to um, not worship you correctly today how can I make it better God and God will usually say you know to some extent put the phone down um, turn you put yourself on mute because you can't sing brother Gary you know that sort of thing right um, so if you go straight to God and ask him like I don't know how to do this he does provide he does he does respond uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 24. And this is just, I think this is uh, uh, steps in Berkeley, if, if, I'm, if I'm right or wrong, or maybe Hayward State. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? And so if only the Lord knows his plans for us, okay? So uh, brothers and sisters, last year at this time, um, I really do, do believe I had my COVID experience. I had a 104 degree temperature. I was in bed. I sweat through all the blankets. Ew, gross, I know. Um, my wife went on a trip because I didn't want to get her sick and I threw up every day, lost uh, 12 pounds. And so it wasn't, uh, I really wasn't okay until like February 9th last year. So it was about two weeks of this. And so there was nothing I could do during that time. All I could do was drink water, um, you know, eat congee porridge, eat, eat juk, you know, and, and keep, my, keep my weight up a little bit. Um, and so if only the Lord knows his plans for us, why are we bothered to messing with, messing with them? like Jonah did in the Old Testament, or question them, which is most everyone else in the Bible. And I know this is one of those things, uh, congregation, easy to look at, but really hard to apply. And yet what I would gently nudge you towards is, this is something we need to do. God, you you guide my steps. What do I need to do? Um, and, and essentially, the, there, there's this weird paradox that happens in the Christian life, brothers and sisters. The less we care about trying to direct our own steps, I do believe God gives us more blessing, although I would say the caveat would be the blessing isn't what we look like, what we imagine it would look like. Okay, so the paradox is we, the more we hold on to our steps, the more we try to control our lives, I think the more God allows us to sort of go off the steps a bit, and yet the less we care about what, what God's doing in terms of the steps he's taking us, he ends up taking us uh, to far greater situ situations and scenarios where uh, we get to participate in his ministry and his kingdom. So interesting thing that maybe um, the, the leadership can cover with you guys on feature sermons, but that, that, is, uh, that is my paradox and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, so moving along, the wicked put up a bold front, but the upright give thought to their ways. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Okay. And so in chapter 21, verses 29 and 30, it is wise for us to consider why and what we're doing especially since the Lord is in control. Uh, for the more mature people on the call, one of the most beautiful things the youth did last night was I asked them to come up with the seven wisest things that have happened in their lives. And one, I forget which brother said this or which sister said this, but we can only control the things we can't control. And so there is tons of wisdom in our youth. Let's, let's please allow them to uh, function and, and hawk for the church-wide stuff. Uh, they're, they're smarter and more capable than we think. As, as older people, okay? Uh, so that was one of the first answers that they came up with is we can only control what we can control and then God takes care of the rest, okay? 
uh, chapter 22, verse 16. So I think these are two uh, Uyghur uh, Muslim children in Western Asia, I think. Uh, one who oppresses the poor to increase, his, to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich, they both come to poverty. So if you can imagine a what's called a decision tree, uh, one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and then one who gives gift to the rich, they both end up in poverty. So two paths, one, one, uh, one destructive outcome, okay? And so by default, I know that, you know, your church is in Saratoga. Many of us live okay enough here in the valley, and yet uh, there's over 140 mentions of the poor in, in the Gospels and in New Testament. So this means we have to look at the poor, and, and I love um, that you guys are getting to practice that this this upcoming weekend um, at Grace Church. Uh, that's one of the places that I know from my work. Uh, and so here's the dangerous thing, because this happens a lot. If we use the poor to boost ourselves up, which I've seen happen in my work, to be quite honest, uh, and, and, other, and other colleagues, or we try to appease the wealthy, we lose in both ways. That needs to hit home for us, brothers and sisters. So how we see the poor, how we see those that are not as fortunate as us, or maybe having as many belongings or as many blessings as us, I think that may be one of the defining things in our Christian walk. And so that I don't mean to make that all serious, but that, that is one of the most uh, serious things there. Okay. Uh, chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Wealth and wisdom are fleeting, as many of, uh, of us uh, people that pay taxes understand. If we didn't figure that, in 20, figure that out last year, we may never figure it out. And that, that's what I'll leave with that. Uh, this is from um, Lord of the Rings, I think the second one, The Two Towers, uh, when Helm's Deep explodes because someone exploited uh, one, I think, manhole cover, I think, uh, in this wall. And so like a city whose walls are breached or broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And so this is one for the younger folks. Okay, so I am on my 48th hour of, of Zoom right now. Um, do you think it's a good idea for me when I get home tonight to be on Zoom? Probably not. Okay, so I'm going to go to bed early tonight because I have another long week of being on, on Zoom. Uh, maybe not 48 hours, but I've got maybe 12 hours next week. Okay, And so if you're not able to have or practice self-control, you risk attack by the enemy and open yourself up to being taken advantage of by, by others. Okay, so... Uh, for, for the youth, it might be bullying online, right? If you post a prayer on your Facebook wall and then you get 35 hateful posts, right? Or if you, um, you know, tell your family that you're in need of prayer and let's say mom or dad is, is stressed out by their own life and they go, oh, come on, that's not a real prayer request, right? So our language and our ability to see other people in our lives, um, if we're not able to practice self-control with our tongue, and also with our technology usage, as well as our uh, time, um, we open ourselves up to attack. And um, I think Beatrice is familiar with this, as well as maybe Anne. A lot of my work right now is with uh, Asian families where the sons and daughters are having a hard time coping with this pandemic because of you know overuse of internet and too much gaming, You know, playing Animal Crossing for 21 hours straight without stopping. Um, this is real, uh, brothers and sisters, so please uh, try to get uh, your own self-control in place. Ask God for help. Um, ask your family for help. Ask your parents for help, okay? Um, 26, 4 to 5, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. 
you know, you can do the shrug emoji for this one, right? Your guess is as good as mine is, right? But surround yourself with fewer fools. Uh, so this is a picture of an old 1940s or 50s actress looking at herself in the mirror, probably posing for a photo. As water reflects the face, so, one life's, so one's life reflects the heart. Okay? Your life is a reflection of where your heart is at. If you feel great, your heart is delighted. If you feel meh, your heart is meh. Right? If you feel terrible, work on your heart. Okay? So this is about heart work. Your Christian life is about how you are treating your heart and how you're growing your heart. Okay? Um, and in this case, uh, think about your last week. What did you spend most of your time doing? And that's probably where your heart is at. In 28 verse 11, the rich are wise. Again, a common theme is the rich and the poor. The rich are wise in their own eyes. One who is poor and discerning sees how deluded they are. So there is a very strong hint here from the, the author of, of these Proverbs that the rich are delusional, possibly. Now, does that mean every person that makes over, let's just make up a number, every person that makes over 200000 a year is delusional? No, no, that's not what they're saying here. So this goes back to earlier when we talked about specific or general wisdom. It may not be possible, and, and this, this is what my professor at, at my seminary sort of concluded. Um, it is nearly impossible to be rich and to be humble. Okay, And that's all it comes down to is that it's very hard for the person that's sitting on $12 million wealth to be able to be humble enough to ask God, so what do I do with this money? Do I uh, give it, you know, do I do an endowment? Do I give a scholarship fund for, for disabled kids? Very oftentimes uh, what, what I see out there is that the rich are more concerned about adding to the riches or trying to protect the riches but not how to be more discerning. And so in that sense, maybe they're more delusional. Okay. Um, chapter 29, verses 10 to 11. The bloodthirsty hate a person of integrity and seek to kill the upright. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And so by my count, this is the third mention about wise and calm, sort of as a dyad versus foolish and rage. If you follow God, you are still expected to have integrity and be upright despite the haters. So am I saying, brothers and sisters, that you will have opposition the more you follow God? I'm saying yes, okay? That's me nodding heavily. Um, on the other hand, you do have God's protection. Um, you do have wisdom from all that your youth group leaders and church leadership is uh, sharing with you and all the outside speakers, hopefully, like myself. And so we, are, we would be foolish to not expect any sort of opposition on the other hand, if you're looking at God and clinging to him, then there's much less chance of you getting tripped up by the people that are hating on you. Okay. Uh, later on in that passage, so I, I think I spent quite a bit of time with the youth on this one last night, and I think the parents probably, to a fault, understand this better than most. And so I'll sort of leave this one alone, but uh, let me define insolent, showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. That is not the way to grow a church, Hawk 4, or home, you know, home of Christ 4, or fourth home. Um, and yet, we probably have these people in our midst. Maybe we have one on our call right now, okay? Um, my, my big point is that spoiled kids suffer in this life, and they make plenty of others suffer too, okay? And so, if, for Asoli and, and some of the people that I talked to last night, that I had this equation. It takes a lot of unselfish people to prop up a selfish person. Do you guys, guys kind of catch the... the the thing I'm doing here. I, I used to do drama in high school. So it takes a lot of selfish, unselfish people to prop up a selfish person. Okay, so you can imagine if you have a bunch of slaves 
I'm going there, have a bunch of slaves propping up a slave owner, and it normally takes four or five people to hold up a, a pretty heavy man like myself, right? So what I'm suggesting is that we are not allowed to be selfish as Christians, and that's probably a, a Captain Obvious thing. But the mean-spirited adult that you run into in your life did not suddenly wake up this morning and become mean-spirited. They probably started off as that spoiled child or a hurt child, okay? And so how we bring people back into the, the congregation is that we love them with good boundaries, right? And so, like, like I said, on the other hand, we also have a job, like Asolia has a job to protect the youth group, right? And so an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. So one of the interesting things that happens in churches is that we get into this weird bind. We want to help the people that are suffering. And sometimes it does look like an angry man like myself or woman or a child. And yet one of the toughest things as church leaders is that we try to find that balance between, okay, you know, let's say if I'm that person, Mr. Gary, you cannot be yelling at the youth group, okay? And if you yell at them again, we're going to walk you into the other room and have a talk with you, right? Because we want to protect the youth, right? And so uh, we have to have that fine line that that fourth home exists to to support the support Christians and to win people for for Christ. And yet we're going to have these occasions where you have people in conflict. You're going to have people that are really upset because of COVID or because of their jobs or because they fail out of school. And yet for you as leaders and future leaders. Um, we do not allow these things to happen in the church because they tend to fester like, um, I was trying to think of a, a body disease like diabetes. If you have diabetes or a family member with diabetes, it can always uh, flame out of control or flare out of control. Okay. Um, chapter 30, verses 7 to 10, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Uh, keep, keep falsehood and lies uh, far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And so in this case, they take the poverty and riches and put them together in one side and then just give me enough, God. And that's probably more in line with what we really need at this point. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so don't let go of me, God. Please give me only what I need. Okay, so this is the one we spent a good chunk of time in last night, so I'll, I'll briefly cover this. We have a lot of small creatures on the planet, including this cute one called the Hyrax. And so briefly, four things on Earth are very small, yet extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food. That's what they're doing all summer when they're crawling around in your yard. They're trying to get more food for the winter. Hyraxes are, are adorable little creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the rocks. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. They know how to move together like an army. And a lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. So this is a reminder for the older people on the call. Your youth is the future of, of not only your church, but of the church. And so there's no such thing as an irrelevant um, or tiny person in the kingdom. Yes, they might be tiny people, but they're super important. And so we can learn a lot from these little creatures. Okay, Just a friendly reminder for us. Almost there, everyone. So uh, last proverb in, in Proverbs, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. In this case, we have uh, the current assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, who's five foot five, blocking out a seven foot three woman from, from getting the rebound, okay? And that's probably what a lot of our ministry will look like if we ask God, hey, God, I wanna serve you for the rest of my life. 
We need to speak up and judge fairly, and we need to defend the rights of the poor and needy. So again, a repeat of poor and needy, but in this case, suggesting that we have a role in, in reaching out to those people. And so our works are a reflection of the faith we put in God and evidence of a changed life. So um, there's a certain sort of uh, street slang that says, you know, don't be just about it, but be about it. Or it's, I, I probably butchered it, but we can't just be about it, meaning like we're not about just talking the Christian game, but we need to be living the Christian game. Okay? We're living, living the Christian life. Okay. All right, seven Proverbs for me for you, uh, but I know I'll be seeing you guys later next month, so uh, you can sort of keep these in mind uh, when I won't see you for four weeks. A drowning person will clutch at a straw. We tend to change when we absolutely need to. So if a church member approaches you, any one of you guys, that probably means they really need your support. Okay. An empty vessel makes much noise. Foolish people love to hear themselves talk. So again, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a ministry and work where people talk almost the entire time. And yet what you want to say for yourself is that I do not want, I do not want to be the foolish person that just talks and talks and talks and nothing happens. Okay. Uh, having grown up in Texas, we had a lot of cattle and a lot of uh, horses, and so you can't polish a turd. And so some things in our lives just need to be discarded fully. Okay, Brief story, um, I, I might have said this before, but when I was traveling in Europe, I stepped in, you know what, all right, so on an on on uh, Italian street. Because I, I'm Chinese and I was cheap, I tried to clean the shoes at the bus station and still smelled bad. My friends were making fun of me. And so one night we stayed, uh, two nights later, I still had the shoes and they still smelled terrible. And so finally we were staying on an eighth floor uh, uh, hotel. And the next morning I found my shoes in the street. That's right. So I don't know who did it. No one ever fessed up to it. And so my friends basically got me down to a store and had me buy shoes right away. And the, the object lesson there is that the shoes cost way more in that city than they did in the previous two cities. And so I ended up paying 300 bucks a European for a new pair of shoes when I could have spent 50 bucks. And so some things, we just need to get rid of some things in our lives. Uh, second to last, laughter is the best medicine. The science does support that. And then finally, watch the donut and not the hole. I actually ordered food from Dunkin' Donuts today, and apparently they closed the store all day. So I was going to do a donut demonstration with you guys, but maybe next time. But in essence, appreciate what we have, our family and friends, instead of what we, we, what we think we missed the last year and a half. And here's, here's something that my speaker, I was, I was in a five-day training uh, to work with couples and to work with families better. And so Dr. Kevin Skinner, who I, I don't know if he's really of the faith or not, but here's how he closed today. He says, the world needs more loving people, people that lift up. The people we work with won't remember most of what was said, but they will remember how they felt with us. So again, they will remember how they felt. Remember I said earlier, we feel most of our anxiety and our mental symptoms in our tummy in our heart, in our head. And so people, if they feel good around you and they feel that, that they are being loved by God, by you, they remember how they felt with you. And maybe for the very first time, they know that someone cares for them. The very best, the very best work I do is when they love themselves and they love, love their neighbor. So that's how I knew maybe this guy's a Christian. He didn't tell us anything about his faith. Um, but, you know, where else have we heard loving yourself and loving your neighbor? Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Okay, so... Uh, so that's sort of my way of closing. I know we covered a ton of Proverbs. You guys could um, maybe spend some time in this upcoming week sort of processing this stuff. But really, this is about us getting things right with God. And so my hope is that 
um, in particular for those of us who are suffering and hurting. Um, I myself am hurting. You know, I I have never been this sad in terms of uh, I really wish I could be there in person with you guys and we could all have a church lunch together. I also have another Chinese church I work with in Dublin where I was supposed to help out with their basketball tournament um, last March. And I'm a huge basketball nut and we still can't do that. And so, um, but on the other hand, thank God for technology. Thank God for this Zoom stuff. And so let me close us in prayer. My hope is that one or two of these Proverbs hit home for us, okay? Uh, God, thank you. I pray that you would humble my prideful heart, help me to be a more loving husband to my wife, help me to be more of a loving brother to uh, these brothers and sisters. Uh, I know I can mess it up very easily. And so I pray, Father, for uh, your forgiveness and your ongoing mercy and grace on my walk, as well as the walk of these uh, 20 uh, fourth home uh, brothers and sisters. I pray for their protection, especially from uh, COVID and any other sort of um, auxiliary uh, diseases and, and medical setbacks. And I pray that you'd grow them to live uh, long and productive uh, Christian lives uh, that, that involve loving you and being loving to this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Brother Gary. Wonderful message from the Lord. And encourage us, remind us, 